Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 19th of June, 2019 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. There has been a lot of talk in Hong Kong lately of mothers and children and care and responsibility. The Sunday that's just passed was Father's Day, too. So as we sweat our way through the busy streets of Hong Kong this week, we'll be listening to two stories about parents and children. Suki tells us a story about an end, and John tells us about a beginning. Before we listen to today's stories, though, a great big thanks go out to our wonderful audience in Hong Kong. It's a beautiful city with a generous spirit, and we are grateful for your support. Thanks, too, to our overseas listeners, including listeners in Neshatel in Switzerland, Changsha in Taiwan, and Pizzo Nulok in Thailand. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Our next live show is Wednesday, June 26th. The theme for this month is Rewind, and it will be held in our usual home of the Hong Kong Print Club. Come and watch the storytellers as they share their stories live. Get tickets through the website at hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than comedy. It's better than drama. It's real life. And now from our January 2019 show, which had the theme of New Territories, here is Suki. My mum was my rock of all ages. She, she was always supporting us with her style of hard love. Three days before Christmas, it was a cold Yorkshire afternoon. And my... Oh, sorry, this was 1998. I must have been going in 1998. A long time ago. You know, and... and My 31-year-old self was not prepared for what the surgeon was going to deliver. Miss Chung, we're not sure where the cancer started. (laughs) It had spread so much. Your mother has one month to live. You realise the priority is to keep her comfortable. Okay? I told my mummy straight away, Suki, take me back to Hong Kong. We were in Taipo Market one week later. And I don't know whether it was because she was surrounded by siblings or she was back home where she was born and bred that prolonged her life one extra year. I don't know. But what I do know is I, due to her, her cancer and how it affected her body, that was a really bad nappy changer. The first time she lost control of her bowels was in the living room on the sofa. 
We were prepared for everything, though. We had nappies in all the bedrooms and in the bathroom. But I wasn't prepared for how I was going to react. I stood up and I headed towards the bathroom. My mum and my sister merely thought I was just heading to the bathroom to get a nappy. But as I walked down that hall and slipped inside, I didn't come back out for a whole hour. I really don't know how I made my mum feel. Not good. And my nappy changing didn't get any better. In fact, I was known by my sisters as the worst nappy change of all time. My mum died at the beginning of 2000. It just clocked in the year of the dragon. Her year. My aunties and uncles, they rallied around me and they suggested, why not do a traditional Taoist funeral? And I said, is it the most respectful? The highest honour, Suki. Okay then, let's do that. At the time, I didn't know that a Taoist funeral called for a reburial ten years later. You see, in years gone by, the Chinese travelled from all parts of China to work. And they died where they were and buried there. It was only years later when probably the families were able to afford taking them back home to be truly laid to rest. Even though all my sisters and their three lived in different parts of the world, we agreed that we would fulfil the reburial. So... Ten years came and went, and I decided to bring up the reburial. <sighs> Suki, how much is it going to cost to bring Mum back up? A good five-figure sum. Sukes, Mum's been dead and buried. She's settled. She won't even know. Why bother? Very practical questions, I know. But in the meantime, I called on the experience of Mr. Wong, an expert Taoist feng shui master. And he took me to all different types of Taoist grave sites. There was all different sizes and materials and shapes all around Hong Kong. He even educated me on why it was really important that the deceased skeleton was shiny and clean when it came back up. Because it was auspicious and good feng shui for the living family. But this was all new territories for me. I mean, what did that world have to do with this world? Maybe my sisters were right. Why bring her back up?
But strangely, there was something. I felt there was something strangely pressing me forward, as though I would find an answer. I kept my sisters updated about the plans. Oh, oh Suki, okay, you decide then. You're the eldest, was their final response. So, I saw Mr. Wong a second time. And he was calculating an auspicious time of date for the reburial for my mother. It, it, this was the final step. But all things were in place. But I, I, felt, I felt divided by all the, all the information that was conflicting in my head. I mean, why bring her up? She is settled. Um, Mr. Wong... What if I decide not to rebury mum? You know, after all that Mr. Wong had given me, all the time and energy, I was really expecting a complete change in demeanour. But instead, I got... Then that's okay, Suki. If you are not comfortable with this, and you need to be comfortable with this, don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, it, it was his response. It, it somehow lifted all the pressure of all the conflict, and, and the fogginess dissipated until there was clarity Absolute clarity. Oh, my goodness. My mum has been down in that ground for 12 years. I've got to bring her up. Mr. Wong, when is the best time, the soonest time, you can bring her up? Look, Suki, I know you are really worried about this whole process. I I've just decided that I will rebury your mother and not my employees, okay? Okay, Mr. Wong, thank you very much. On that auspicious day, the sun was beating down on our steep ancestral hill. And my auntie, who was absolutely petrified of anything to do with the dead had kindly accompanied me. She was perched overlooking the sea underneath her umbrella, ignoring all the business going on behind her. Mr. Wong was digging down deep towards my mother's grave and I wanted to oversee everything. My feet were hovering over the hollowed rectangle. All eyes in, and my auntie was beckoning me over. Get here, sit here. No, 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 it's okay, auntie, I'm okay. 
Mr. Wong's shovel hit Coffin. He opened the lid. And my mother was still in her ceremonial robe after all these years. It was intact. Mr. Wong unfolded it. He beamed at me. Suki, it's all shiny and clean. Very good, very good, Suki. Oh, okay. When he took everything off, she was also still in her nappy. Mr. Wong took it away, and underneath where her lower abdomen had been were stones of varying sizes. Wah, Suki, even your mother's last meal survives. My, my auntie and I glanced at each other, knowing full well what they were. Mr. Wong, throw them all away. Let's get mum clean. <laughs> yeah, let's throw them all away, threw the last one away into nature. He pieced my mum's shiny skeleton, bone by bone, into the ceremonial urn. He faced her to that beautiful view, her final resting place. I was the worst nappy changer in life. But it all became so clear that in the afterlife, I gave my mother the final nappy change that had her feeling comfortable and settled. It's hard for a child or a parent to get absolutely everything right. But it is the love that guides her action that makes all the difference. Suki came up on our stage after attending one of our free workshops. If you want to try your story, go to our website, hongkongstories.com, and follow the prompts to sign up. Our hosts will guide you to make your story even better. Our second story today is from John, who tells us about a different point in his life. From a show way back in 2016, here is John. To me, there's no greater wonder in the world than seeing for the first time that life that you're responsible for. My wife and I, we got married in Malaysia, and... Great thing was, she was pregnant. Great. And then I was starting a new job um, in a government boarding school for high-achieving secondary students. So things were looking, uh, looking great. So we move into the uh, teacher's quarters and everything, and my first day at work is her birthday. So we go out and celebrate, but the big thing was, we're going to go to the private clinic in, in town, and we're going to get the first look at that baby. So we're all excited. We go in, and Dr. Jaya does the ultrasound. 
She's taking a long time. Well, okay, she's just being thorough. Then she stops and she says, there's no baby. What? What are you talking about? There's no baby. She's pregnant, right? I mean, she shows all the signs of being pregnant. And she's like, no, um, there's no baby. Yes, there was an egg. It was fertilized. It implanted, but it never developed. We're going to have to do an abortion. And we're in shock. We're like, no, no. We go back to the teacher's quarters, and we're like, she's wrong. There's a baby. She just couldn't find it. Or it's hiding somewhere, right? And then about 10 o'clock at night, she starts spotting. Starts bleeding a little bit, but that's okay, right? Because this happens in pregnancies. Then it gets worse. Uh-oh. And we start wondering what's going on. Finally, she starts bleeding a lot. It looks like she's hemorrhaging. And 2.30 in the morning, I'm running across the school compound to the headmaster's house, and I'm bashing on the door to get him to drive us back to the clinic. Dr. Jai is there in 10 minutes after we arrive, and she looks and she says, she's okay. Uh, she's just spontaneously aborting because there's nothing there. It's like, okay. So we have a complete blood work up done on my wife, and it turns out she's got some sort of viral infection. And Dr. Jai gives her some really powerful antiviral medication to clear it up and says, don't get pregnant while you're taking this because this leads to neural tube defects. Fine, we take all the proper precautions, except for one time. She gets pregnant. And we go back in, and Dr. Jaya does the uh, sonogram one more time, measures the brain, the head, and says, you got pregnant while you were taking the medication. And you could see a little fetus in there. You know, you could see the hands and little legs, eyes on the wrong side of the head and everything. And she says, well, I recommend an abortion. And we're like, okay, wait a minute. What would happen if we decide to go through with it? She said, well, what would happen is you probably would carry the baby full term, but uh, when it's born, it might only live for a couple days or a couple weeks. Or... If it survives past that, it'll only be a vegetable. So we make the hard decision, and we go ahead, and we have the abortion. And there were plenty of tears between the two of us. And after a while, I figured I had processed everything, and I was cool. But then in those quiet moments, sometimes I would find myself just bursting out into tears because we had such hopes for having a child. And my wife said, you know, after this, I don't know if I want to have any children. And we didn't take any precautions. We had normal active sex life, but no child. So we figured maybe two abortions meant that she, she couldn't have children anymore. Well, the end of school year, November, we go out to the Philippines so she could be with her uh, family and friends. And guess what? She gets pregnant. Wow. Okay. But, you know, because of our experience, we're kind of a little bit cautious. We go back to Malaysia, we see uh, Dr. Jaya, and it's time for the sonogram. So, of course, we're kind of anxious. Is everything okay? 
She does a sonogram. Okay, measures the brain and everything. Baby's normal. But then every checkup um, after that, every time doing the sonogram, there's always that, it's okay. And she says, oh, yeah, look, your baby is very active. Okay, cool. Oh, look at this. It's a girl, and she's got long legs. Wow, cool. All right. Everything's looking good. Due date comes. No baby. One week goes by. Two weeks. Three weeks. Still no baby. My wife says, you know, I don't know if this baby wants to be born. You know, I'm getting tired of being pregnant, right? Comes a Saturday. It's my day off. Seven o'clock in, seven o'clock in the morning. We feel the baby going like, what is this? Is it panicking? Is everything okay? And then we wait. No movement for like two hours. Something's, maybe something's wrong. Maybe the baby, you know, maybe, maybe the baby's dead. So we quick get a taxi, zip off to the maternity hospital, and they say, everything's fine. But um, what happened is the baby, the water broke, but the baby's head was in position, and it sucked down and stopped any of the water from coming out. There's not enough liquid to support the baby, so they have to induce labor. Okay. They put my wife into the third-class ward, which is a big, open, 40-bed maternity ward. With nothing between the beds. So she's there and she's in such pain and I want to be the loving, supporting husband. And so I say, it's okay, baby. I'm here for you. I'm, whatever you need, I'm there. Her answer is, whack! She slaps me. It's like, okay, never mind. Let me know if you need anything, okay? <laughs> so finally, she's dilated enough and they wheel her off into the maternity hospital, but Men aren't allowed in there. I have to wait out in the parking lot. Finally, 3.30 in the morning, I can barely stand it anymore. And I don't even remember how I got home, but somehow I did. And I fall asleep. 8 o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call from our friend who's a nurse in the maternity hospital. And she says, okay, your baby's born. Mommy and baby, they're fine. You can come see them noontime, visiting hours. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you're going to get look at our baby. So I have trouble getting a taxi, so I'm a little bit late. And then I, as we pull into the parking lot, I see our, fr our friends, Jolly, walking to go see the baby. So I throw some money at the taxi driver, and I run because that's my baby. I should be the first one to see that baby, not them. So I run ahead of them. There's my wife in the bed, kind of, uh, it's like, are you okay? Uh, okay. There's the baby. Um, are you sure that's our baby? I'm like, yeah. Because the baby looks like she's been in a fight. And she looks like something out of alien autopsy. Because her head is not round. It's kind of like triangular or pyramid shape. So I'm like, uh, is this normal? And they say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's normal. It's just because she's been in labor for so long. Like, okay, and you're sure this is our baby? Oh, yeah, 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 okay. So I'm looking down at her. And then 
she opens up her eyes. And for 45 minutes, we just look at each other. And I start to cry because I swear to God, I've never seen anything more beautiful in my life. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. Thanks today go out to Jen and Suhas who curated and directed our January 2019 show. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.